and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, as we look back over our last couple of episodes, um, we had discussed two episodes about essentially what is the church bringing to the table and what is religion and, and why is it important. And one of the key discussion points that you gave from there is what the church is giving is truth. At the end of the day, since people are involved in it, there's going to be flaws in the execution. But the the game plan that is, is there is the truth, and that is what the church is about and trying to teach that and spread that. Part of when they say, you know, spreading the good news. So one of the discussions that came out of there was, was one of the parables that, that you used in that conversation was about Jesus talking about the Pharisees at the time saying, you know, listen to what they're saying because they're saying truth. Just don't do what they're doing um, is what he said about the Pharisees in the, uh, in the gospel there. And then in our last conversation last week, we were talking about how we can give back to God but sometimes, like the second son or the older son in, in the pro- prodigal son reference, that you just lose why you're working. You lose why you're doing it, and you put yourself in a mentality of a, of a transactional relationship that, you know, I'm doing this for this, this for that. And you summarized it all at the end perfectly when you said, you can't justify your own existence, and you were given that freely. You can't justify free will and you were given that freely. You know, a car doesn't have free will. A car, you built the, you know, you built or bought a car, you goes where you tell it to go for the most part. Um, and, and you can't control that or you do control that. You The car's not self-autonomous and can do what it wants. So I wanted to have today's conversation to dive into that teachings that the church is trying to give out the do what I say portion, as far as the rich elements of, of the faith and how it correlates to existence for us so that we can try to better relation, better be relationship partners with God to, to try to take on his mercy and not create a situation where, we're becoming apathetic to the rest of the world um, or to, to the religion. And, and we're not, we're not guiding, we're not gaining what we should be gaining. And I wanted to have a conversation to talk about the rich values that the church is giving and why it's important to, to talk about them. So I wanted to start that as the open forum point, and then we'll dive into specifics from there. Well, again, uh, to uh, reiterate what you were saying, make sure I'm on the same page or uh, I've understood correctly. The, in, in terms of the church revealing truth, uh, we have to, clar- we have to um, yeah, clarify that a little bit in saying that the church is revealing a certain kind of truth, which is the, the truth about God's revelation, what God has revealed in Jesus Christ that he has 
taken flesh, that he is three persons in one God, ultimately that he is love. Uh, so the, the church has been entrusted with a certain kind of truth and her role, the church's role is to uh, reveal that, uh, safeguard that truth and then share it with everybody. So that flows over into things as you were mentioning, there are certain consequences of that. Well, if God is love, if he has really come in Jesus Christ to reveal his love to us and to die for us so that we can be redeemed and that we can be united with him, and the Holy Spirit was really sent to form Jesus in us, to reproduce the image of the incarnation, to reproduce Christ in us that would make us Christians. If those things have all happened, how then should we act? What should we do? And well, uh, it turns out, you know, in, to one extent, we should do the same thing that we've always known we should do as human beings. There's a certain amount of that that's accessible to reason. Uh, we can think through these things and we can feel them, know them in our conscience. And that's basically the Ten Commandments, uh, especially the well, to honor God, to honor his name, uh, to keep a day of the week holy, separate for him, to honor our parents, not to kill, not to commit adultery, not to steal, not to lie, not to covet. So we have these series of ways to act, which are not just punishment-based, do this or else, but are actually responsive to love. Well, God loves. God is love. God has loved me this way. How can I respond to that love? Well, I can live in the way that he lives. The Ten Commandments are all fulfilled in Jesus. God doesn't exempt himself from his own commandments. The commandments are not just positive law issued abstractly from without, but they're actually written into our nature. It's a violation of who we are in our own nature. So when God took on human nature, he lived in accord with the law of that nature, with natural law, and lived out the commandments. Now, one of the amazing things is, in knowing that God is love, we could say, well, it doesn't seem like living the commandments is even enough. I mean, just not to kill people, just not to steal from them, or, or sexually uh, violate people, or break our relationships, just like, that doesn't seem like it's enough. Well, you're right. To really respond to love, to the fullness of love, with the fullness of love, we've got to go way beyond that. And that's what Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, do not kill. I tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've killed him. If you say revenge, then you, you know, you've uh, violated the fifth commandment. Uh, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her. Yeah, we can go way beyond just the external observance of the law. And that's where Jesus calls us to a higher standard as Christians. He says, you've known the love of God more fully. You can respond more fully. You can become more like him yeah, than other people could who don't know the love of God, who don't have faith, who haven't received that from the church. So when the church teaches her moral law, she's really teaching us 
how to respond to this great love of God that's been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. She's teaching us how to love him in return and by, by our behavior and the ways that we think and act. And there's so much to that. And when, you, when you're saying that it's in your, your fiber and your being, I think that the, the way that I can articulate it is, especially whenever you're young, and I just saw my niece have this happen to her who's not really able to talk but can walk and understand yet. And when she was doing something wrong and she got called on it, she just like slumped over and hid because something inside her knew that there was something was wrong was happening there. And I think that on some level, we all feel that when there's something wrong or it's just not right, it hits within us. Maybe we all don't know how to articulate it correctly. And, and certainly there's a, there's an urge to bury that feeling that we're doing something wrong and to just keep doing what's wrong. And that's how, bad habits are essentially formed. But the converse is also true. When you're doing something that's right and well, you get you get good feelings inside of you that if you were trying to net them like an accountant would, saying, you know, the negatives and the positives, almost always the positive outshines the negative in terms of the internal feelings you get from it. So people will look at it and say, well, yeah, I, I, I looked at that lady, but I didn't do anything. So there was nothing wrong. And, you know, that still will develop those, those negative thoughts and feelings within versus what Jesus is saying, which is calling us to the higher level of just taking it to a different spot that probably wasn't even known about when you were in the situation where you were denying the negative feelings. And it certainly is a, a, a journey to go from one side of the spectrum to the other. And I think we get so blinded or society as a broad strokes umbrella gets so blinded by the things that you'd have to give up that aren't technically breaking the rules, but are holding you back from going to the, to, to where it's really great. Um, you know, that there's, there's a lot of examples we can give about that, but it's, it starts with a mindset that says the minimum isn't enough. And I think that by doing that, it, it requires a lot of internal fortitude and accountability and, that that's kind of what what I gathered from from what you were telling me there, and I don't want to I don't want to go on a sidetrack here or, or throw you off from where you're going if I'm misunderstanding it. I just want to try to 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 continue it because, in a sense, this is the the how to conversation about what last week's episode was about wanting to be closer to God and better relationship partner, and this is kind of how more in depth of how to do it push yourself to do what is harder, but it's like anything else, the harder you work, typically the better the results are at the end of the day. You're not going to be able to run a 4440 if you never get on the field and start running. It's just not going to happen. So as you see yourself, well, I ran a 4-5 last week. Now I ran a 
and now now I'm you know getting closer to it because I keep pushing myself and growing. We can see it through physical exercise very clearly, and then eventually we get to a plateau point because we don't want to sacrifice eating those couple of Oreos every week. But that's really what's holding you back. You're eating too much wrong food, but that's a sacrifice too far. I'm willing to go out and, and do all the training. I just don't want to change what I'm eating side of the fence. And that's a very real thing that I see people go through. And I think that that is the same situation we're talking on the spiritual side with God. So I want to let, let you make sure, A, that I'm back on track, and B, that, that we can continue going forward what it is we are to do. Yeah, you make some... Uh some important points there that are worth reiterating that uh, first of all, it feels good to do good. Uh, You know, we are wired for that. Now that's largely true. Sometimes not always in the immediate, you know, the kind of classic line from parents, this hurts me more than it hurts you. You know, Uh, sometimes we have to administer discipline and that's hard. Sometimes we have to make a, hard decisions, you know, some of the whistleblower phenomena and, and uh, sometimes we get ourselves embroiled in some pretty difficult situations because it's worth it. The truth is worth sacrificing for. And ultimately there's, you know, while we can say that Jesus felt good on the cross, uh, you know, we got to qualify that pretty heavily. <laughs> it's uh, he was ripped apart in uh, in a very real way in order to enter into that place with us. But there was something that drove him to do it, and we could say that that you know felt good uh, in some sense. Uh, so you know, there's there's nothing when we have to amputate an arm because we're getting gangrene in our hand there's nothing that feels good about that although we do prefer the outcome of living as opposed to dying so anyway just to say there are you know some some little complexities in there but but it's a good starting point and and it's a basic basically what you're saying is similar to what i was saying is that these things are written into our nature you know the uh, doing good is not such a mysterious thing most of the time we know what we should do. We know that uh, most of the time, not 100% of the time. There are difficult things that we face, not every moment of every day by any means, probably not even every day do we have difficult decisions or things that we really don't know what we, what we should do. Uh, but acting in accord with our conscience, listening to our conscience, and the ultimate benefit that is, the peace that comes with that, the uh, the fact that we can sleep at night, because as best as we could understand, we did what we believed was right. And we can acknowledge, well, you know, am I right 100% of the time? No, but at least I did what I believed was right. Now, could I end up being corrected? Could I see in retrospect, ah, I should have done that differently? Okay, fine. You know, then we keep growing that way. We admit that. We apologize maybe we correct ourselves we move on we do it better the next time we have more information now but we always want to do what as far as we can tell we believe is right we never want to do what we know is wrong and that's very important if we violate our conscience then we have a way of silencing it in a way that uh, can really be problematic for us we don't want to silence our conscience or violate our conscience and that's a principle of moral theology too even where it seems like 
our application of the law tells us something different, but our conscience tells us we need to honor our conscience, you know, not just our, yeah. So, um, so that's really important. But uh, yeah, we, we often know, uh, have a good sense and, and we experience the reward of that. Again, sometimes that's in the long term. Parents who make the difficult decision to discipline their children in a loving way, in a way that hurts them more than it hurts their children. In, uh, you know, so with some of these qualifications, but in the long run, they end up with children who are free and loving. And it's like, wow, this is great, you know, great consequences. Again, I don't want to overly simplify that. I'm thinking of exceptional situations with children that are, you know, have some real emotional disturbance or parents have done everything right. And years later, you know, there's still a lot of troubles there. And I don't want to diminish that. But primarily, uh, we, we experience the benefits of doing the right thing. Yeah. But we don't do it just to experience the benefits. There would be a kind of mercenary quality to that. If we only did good in order to feel good, if we only made good decisions in order that things will turn out well in the end for us, that's not far enough. And that's where, as we live the gospel more fully, we start with that. Uh, starting with the reward-based system, just like we do with children, starting with a reward-based system does get us moving in the right direction. And that's important. And so we want to start with that. But ultimately, we're going to go beyond that and we're going to start doing good for goodness sake, not just because of how it makes us feel. We're going to love others for their own sake, not just because of what we get out of it. And we're uh, going to make these more selfless and uncalculating acts of love, goodness, service, generosity. We're going to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, not for the sake of ourselves. And that's where our moral life, our, our love uh, really becomes more godlike. What, what does he get at? I mean, ultimately, what does he really get out of? He was, he was totally satisfied and perfect in himself before he ever created anything. He really just opened up a whole Pandora's box. You know, he opened up a big can of worms. He opened up lots of problems in creating us. He didn't have to do that. He didn't need us in that way. He did it for our own sake because he simply wanted to share his superabundance of love with us. And now because he has denied himself power over our free will, he, does, he is delighted, and it does matter to, uh, to him when we respond with love to his love. So uh, that's a great thing. But anyway, he's leading us in a place that we do things more and more selflessly, that we're not just counting the cost, that we're not just making a, a transaction in our minds, that we're not just trying to figure out what we're going to get out of it and doing a, a risk assessment, that we ultimately, for the sake of persons, give ourselves with abandon. And that's really after the image and likeness of Jesus. I think you just answered one of the questions I had written down to make sure we get into this cast without me ever actually asking it, um, <laughs> which is, you know, what, what is the meaning of life and why are we all here? And I'm quite certain that that answer you just gave is a, is certainly a satisfactory answer to it, but, but, since that's one of the things I wanted to cover in today's uh, episode anyway, um, if there's more to add, more than just doing love for the sake of love, um, 
I'd like to, to, to hear it because obviously that's one of the direct examples you gave about one of the truth teaching of the church. Yeah, love, for the sake of love, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas' definition of love is doing good for the other as other, uh, for the sake of the other, um, uh, as for for their own sake, not for what I what I get out of it. So, just simply that acknowledgement, that recognition, setting off in that direction, um, will start to open things up for us as we start to look at what are my motives. You know, what am I getting out of this? Why am I really doing this? Now, the fact is, if we if we start committing ourselves, commitment is a is a big one that helps us move in this direction because the fact is. Once you commit yourself, you're aware of what you're getting out of it up front. And over time, it's like, well, you just get dragged into more and more situations where you're just giving because you committed and, uh, and, and you don't worry about what you're getting out of it. I, you know, in marriage, I said, I do for the rest of my life. So I do for the rest of my life. You know, I'm not going to start counting up well. And that's one of the big starts undermining marriages. Well, I took out the trash, so you've got to do the dishes. And then I took the kids to school today, so you've got to take them to school tomorrow. I mean, if you start doing those calculations, forget it. I mean, you might as well have a contract, not not a marriage. And you might as well, you know, sue your spouse for violating the contract. I mean, it's like crazy. Now, sometimes when trust is broken badly, we have to rebuild trust through those kinds of transactional developments. Um, that might be a situation somebody's in, and that might be the right thing to do. But when we, when you enter into a committed relationship, it naturally takes you beyond what you could possibly calculate. You simply can't measure some of the things that are happening. Like I stayed up all night in the hospital with you when you had the flu. Like how do you repay that? Well, I made three dinners with for you and repay me. It's like, you just can't really measure these things in a reasonable way. And so, so you start to say, well, I stayed up all night in the hospital with you because of you, because I want to give to you because you're worth it, because you're worth my love. You're, you're worth everything I can give. And, and that's where something becomes so pure and free and beautiful. And we see that and experience that in its own way. Again, the feeling is not worth it in itself, but the feeling is a little sign, a little encouragement saying, you're going in the right direction. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. It's like those little, uh, you know, when you're running, you talked about running a mile or running a race, you know, and, and you've got a fan along the side of the road. It's like, you're doing great. You're doing great. You know, you'd never run a race just for the sake of that fan saying you're doing great it doesn't begin to compare to the suffering that that it, it takes out of us to run like that but it sure helps to have those little signs and and that's you know those are the kinds of things that god does provide for us he does know what we need and he does have a way of giving us those little attaboy you know, little encouragements along the way to say like oh yeah okay good i'm, I'm going the right direction and then we reinvest you know, we, we double down, we, we push forward and we find, and, and ultimately it's the, it's the great experiment. You know, it takes us to the point where we say, there's no possible way I could ever get anything. I could ever get as much out of this as I give into it. 
And that's ultimately the gift of our life. You know, in martyrdom, we're taking the great risk. In, in total self-sacrifice, where we say, well, I'm so all in. There's no possible way of bailing out of this. And there's no possible way of me figuring out that I'm going or guaranteeing that I'm going to get something out of it that compensates for what I'm putting into it. I'm just all in. And when we take that step, now that's actually a step we take again and again at deeper and deeper levels, being more all in, more all in, more all in. But when we take that, something changes in the relationship. Something changes in us. Something changes in the way that we love, in the way that we give. When we just say, I'm just going to let go of counting the cost. I'm going to let go of figuring out the recompense. I'm going to let go of the comparisons. I'm going to love this person for their own sake. I'm going to love God for his own sake. Something amazing happens. Make that step of faith and extend yourself in that way. And it's beautiful. Certainly. And, uh, and I, I thank you for, for taking that step with us all the time. Uh, I know that, that for myself, that there's a lot of times in just doing this episode that, that you've been doing that encouragement step. And that's something that, that I wish for all of our listeners out there to, to do this week, to, to think about a chance to where, where you can do that, where, where you, I mean, not physically running a race, but you get the example of, uh, of encouraging someone along because it, it can make such a great difference. And, and realizing just the simple fact that there are less saints than there are sinners. That's a pretty simple statement. And, and to try to, to help people to get closer to the road of sainthood and to, and to grow as we're going along, it does take encouragement from others. So that's you know the, the, the mission for everyone going out there forward for this upcoming week, to, to find a chance where you can do that a couple times and see how it both will enrich that situation and, and everything else around it. Cause nothing is done in a vacuum. Everything has a ripple effect, both good and bad. And the good ones are stronger ripples than the, the bad ones. So we thank everyone for listening and we'll be with you again here next week.